Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is time for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast for Soonerscoop.com. We welcome in the entire gang. Josh, Eddie, and Bob. I am Kerry Murdoch, your host, and uh, we are here for another week. Is uh, boy, uh, football duties are over. We've, we're two weeks past the spring game. Uh, basketball hirings have uh, been finalized today. Just before we potted, uh, recruiting is hitting full swing. Offers are going out uh, both in basketball and football, and uh, we welcome in the entire gang. Although I am not very happy uh, because uh, Josh is on. Skype today because we've had a little snafu with, uh, I don't know, Eddie, here's the first thing, guys. Uh, so I called the company that uh, does all, you know, that we buy all our broadcast equipment from. Uh, and as I'm waiting for the, uh, it was hold music, right? It's it, like it, a receptionist. Music. Like there, a receptionist. But it, you were on the, the we were on the, uh, uh, oh, what's the name of the, the elevator music company? Muzak? Like we were Basically, on the Muzak yeah. hold thing. Basically, and I said, if I can't get this taken care of immediately, I'm going to murder someone. And then a lady picks up the phone and she says, don't murder me. Like, I was on hold. Like, you broke the bond of on hold. Like, are they always listening to you when I you're on hold? I think that they are. I think that they are. Just oh, watch no. what you say. You know, what's going to be interesting. I was is so if you embarrassed. It's going to be interesting today if you get uh, start getting spam ads from, uh, like, defense counsels, <laughs> like defense lawyers in Oklahoma. Yep. And maybe that's because you're, you've just been on the uh, Trajan Bridges uh, Seth McGowan beat for too long. But maybe it's also because you sort of just basically threatened someone's life. There's not a whole lot else to add. To be fair, I did not threaten to murder her specifically. No, it was more of a... I said, I will murder someone. someone. <laughs> yeah, like if this was in back in the day, they would send the cops think... just to make sure that nobody, that you can be close to anybody. I don't think the cops can come and... Look for me because I didn't. I wasn't a specific threat to a person. That's true. It was a murder everyone situation. More of a. Uh, That's a lot. Yeah, it, I mean, better. and we're close <laughs> enough to a school that you're now a threat to society. Uh, anyway, Literally so anyone could be your victim, right? And that's why I am so uncomfortable are, right now. You are you are Kyle Shanahan's embodiment. That's exactly what you've become. Anyone could You die. don't know if you will be alive uh, by Sunday. No, nobody can say that. Especially if you work in broadcast equipment industry. Um, <laughs> it's a niche market. It is a niche market. That's a niche market. Now, see, now you got people. The feds will be coming to certain places of Bob. Shut up. Employment All right, to make sure those up. people are okay. 
okay. Isaiah Thomas rules. <laughs> They'll be <all> okay. Right. <laughs> They'll be all right. So, uh, I guess where we should start, I guess we should start with recruiting. I mean, that, I mean that is the lifeblood of Sooner Scoop. Uh, that's where we're at. Uh, I know some new names have been added to the barbecue, the Champion Barbecue, Josh. Um, first off, let's just lay it all out like everybody's dumb. Uh, when is the Champion Barbecue, uh, and when does the dead period officially end for college football? Well, uh, the they are going to reopen visits. Everything starts on June first. That that's when the world can kind of get back to some semblance of normal in recruiting. So you're seeing everything set up. I mean, you're seeing midweek visits set up. Schools are really because you you just don't know. I mean, with the world we're living in, we don't know if, if it's going to come back, and you know, you know, just if there's some reason why okay the ncaa shut it down again so got, they're trying to get guys on campus as early and often as possible to try and make sure hey we got that official visit in even if he can't do it during the season we're okay you know he's seen us up close so you're seeing a lot of schools really take advantage of that but yeah uh, you know it, it was funny i was talking to uh, one of the guys that added to the list was luke montgomery a uh, big offensive lineman from ohio uh, and y- you asked June 18th is the weekend of the champ barbecue, champion barbecue. It will actually be that Saturday, the 19th. And it's, it's interesting talking to people. You almost get two different answers. Like there's this huge official visit weekend, which right now I am currently expecting OU at, I believe it's 19 official visitors. Yes. 19 is what I've got. And, um, I was talking about it woke. There are 13 just between defensive backs and offensive linemen. So there, it's clear where OU is putting a lot of their energy for this 2022 class right now. But it was interesting talking to Luke Montgomery's dad, the big offensive lineman from Ohio, that has uh, you know that told me this week that they will be coming in for the barbecue uh, unofficially. He was kind of like, well, what's it look like for 2023? It's just insane what OU is doing. It's not a huge list right now and it's going to grow a lot but I, I, I was kind of talking to him about it Brandon Ennis the number four player in the country the number one wide receiver Makai Lemon one of the top athletes in the country top 75 player in the country Malachi Nelson the number one quarterback number two overall player uh, Jordan Renault the the big defensive lineman from Louisville that's a top 15 guy in the country and Trayon Webb a top 70 guy in the country from Florida so what Oklahoma is doing with its unofficial visits is just unbelievable. I mean, and you know, then you throw in Amaria Bohr, Harold Perkins, guys like that from the 2022 class, Jaden Scarlett as well. So it, it's just really amazing that that group isn't even the official visitor list. When you throw in, you know, that group with Gavin Sawchuck and Malik Ogbo from Washington, there are so many players that really it falls into the question of. How does Oklahoma navigate this? I mean, the, the the support staff may have to sleep for a week after this thing's over because they are going to be running around constantly for 72 hours. Okay, uh, let's take a break. Josh, uh, I'm going to pause here. Uh, it looks like it's working now. Oh. Um, and one. All right, uh, so Josh, who are the – I mean – there was a list I know that you had early, but who are the the bigger names just in the last few days who have been added to the Champion Barbecue? 
Well, you know, obviously, like I said, Luke Montgomery's a big one. He's a you know top seventy-five guy, one of the top recruits and you know offensive line recruits in the country, and one of the best in Ohio. Obviously, you you know what that means when you're going to recruit in Ohio. That's a that's a lot to ask. So we'll see how that goes. But you know, then you throw in. We had a chance to confirm Chase Biddle, who. I think everyone knows if there's any position in this 2022 class where OU needs to hit, it's safety. And I would say of the guys that they're zeroed in on, he and Jalen Lewis from Tennessee, they're both coming in the same weekend. You know, you kind of hope those guys hit it off. You know, kind of, hey, you know, you guys could be our tandem. You could be the Fields and DTY of the future and kind of, you know, maybe spend a few years starting in the secondary together. That's what you're hoping for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I... you you are fulfilling every OU fan that's like yelling at the radio right now. Better, better. And he had a big smirk on his face, so I had. To well, say I was it. thinking it, so <laughs> that counts yeah. for something. Yeah. So I mean, you know, but that sort of you know tandem, I guess. Um, but yeah, Biddle's a guy, big, athletic. Had a chance to see him last year when I saw Jordan Hudson in person. The OU wide receiver commitment. Uh, like I said, didn't do a lot that night, but I mean, you watch him. He's He's everything that they talk about wanting in a safety. He's big, he's physical, he runs well, um, and is definitely one of those guys that has a chance to separate the receiver from the ball. He plays that kind of game. So there's a lot to like there. But, I mean, there is – I'm trying to think of the new additions that we've also made over the last week, kind of going through it. Obviously, uh, you know – one of the guys that, if nothing else, changed his status, Jaden Rowe, the the cornerback, uh, you know, now part of the class. I know we'll get into all that, but uh, he'll be there. So you've got a few commitments that are going to be there. He, Kobe McKenzie, the other big one that I that I did forget, uh, Kenyatta Jackson, the big defensive lineman from Florida, uh, same high school as uh, Marquise Brown, um, uh, Hollywood Chaminade. So I mean, just a a very uh, athletic guy that I think Oklahoma wasn't really seen nationally as a contender for him until probably two or three weeks ago when I started hearing this could come down to OU and Ohio State, and it's just one of those crazy realities, guys, where Miami, Florida, and Florida State, it's not like it used to be. I remember there was a rule a long time ago. I remember talking to Jeremy Crabtree about this, Kerry, where if you went into that state and a kid had an offer from all three of those schools, there was no way he was leaving the state. He yeah. was going to go to one of those three schools. And that doesn't exist right now. Those three schools are, are – I mean, they're not recruiting poorly, but which one of them is going to be like, oh, yeah, you, you can't go to Oklahoma. And, you know, I mean, Florida just got stomped on national television by Oklahoma. Miami and Florida State haven't been relevant in a decade or more. So it's just kind of – I don't know it's, – it's a weird time when you can go into Florida – and not have that in-state pull like it used to be for so long. It probably helps, too, that you already got a guy in Mario Williams, a former five-star from the from Florida, already on campus. You already got guys, you know, Nick Benito is probably going to be one of the best players on the defensive side of the football. He's from Florida as well. Yeah, I mean, and Nick is from, like, the holy grail of Florida. I mean, St. Thomas Aquinas. Sure. I mean, you, you talk about a place where you want to have inroads. And I, I think it almost helps Oklahoma with a guy like Nick that Nick, I mean, Nick was a good recruit, but he wasn't like a normal. I mean, he wasn't like every. Uh, I guess for St. Thomas Aquinas standards, he's just a solid player. I mean, just a good, solid guy. They put out a near five star almost every year. So to have a guy like that, and you developed him, and now he's one of the elite pass rushers in the country, that that can only help OU's reputation. Not just 
with the the players, but the the coaches. They're CNOU's developing their guys, making them better players. You know what's bizarre? I, I just found this list. I'm looking at it. You're talking about the big three in Florida. Uh, you can name on one hand, and maybe this is the. It's almost like the post uh, OU national championship season. Uh, you know, in 2000, uh, Peter Warwick they had drafted as a wide receiver. No, yeah, a wide receiver. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Snoop Menace didn't play in that game, but he never made a splash in the NFL. Uh, obviously, uh, the biggest name you could probably think of uh, is a guy that was a freshman when OU played him, Anquan Bolden, uh, and he played in the league forever. Is he still playing? I don't think so, but it seems like he should still be playing. Outside of that, you know the most relevant wide receiver that they produced since 2000? Let's see, Anquan Bolden went in the 2003 draft. The most relevant wide receiver they produced since Anquan Bolden was in 2014. You know who it was? Kelvin Benjamin. Benjamin, yeah. yeah. That ate himself into a tight end. Or just out of the league, kind of. He he was uh, Cam Newton's guy, and that was that was his claim to fame. He really hadn't done much. I think he got he signed a big contract with somebody, didn't he? And then he just never did with much the Bills, that. wasn't it? Thirty years old, out of the NFL. Benjamin is, is is his update right now. Yeah, in his rookie year, he went for a thousand yards and never only one time ever went over seven hundred again. After that, his next year he went for nine forty one. And he never had a season after those first two where he had more than three touchdowns. He just fell off the map. By the way, um, are we even going to talk about the Florida State player that wasn't drafted that shocked the hell out of all of us? Well, I think it kind of wraps no into what Josh was just saying as far as, I mean, even though they got him to campus, you know, Marvin Wilson's career did not exactly go, I think, like a lot of people thought it would. Last year was, I mean, not last year was terrible. The year before that, he was great. I mean, if he left early, he probably would have been a first or a second round draft pick. Well, he had the, what was it, two years ago, it was the season cut short by injury. He had the surgery, yeah, that's right? Yeah, right, yeah. So I guess it would have been 2018. That Was that? 2019. Any, 20, had a really good year. And then, yeah, 2020 couldn't come. Yeah, that's right. But God, I, I mean, can't help. Uh, <clears throat> bad I can't investment? I wonder how much him calling out the the head coach uh uh mike norvell God, norvell yeah i that that had to there, you know there's some coaching staffs are like that's a non-starter for us like that that's just because it's fine to have a problem with the coaching staff to do it publicly the way he did and especially i mean and don't get me wrong there's a lot of stuff at florida state with norvell that kind of makes you wonder like if it's if it wasn't a completely valid criticism but at the same time man you handle business like that coaches even if they don't like a guy, they'll hold rank. Like they, they don't usually care for that kind of stuff. Yeah, but if he was, I mean, if he was the best defensive tackle in college football, I don't think people would care what he's no. tweeting, right? No. 100, 100, yeah. no, like 100%. it has more to do with what he did or what he didn't do on the field. Yep. Oh, consistency was a problem sure. for Marvin. It, it was his whole career. Uh, he'd have great moments, and then I, I remember watching games where you're like, you forgot he was there, and then all of a sudden he'd make a just an amazing play and then he was gone again um let me ask yeah, you josh oh go ahead i mean i'm curious like how often it goes through your mind where you think like in today's age because like nfl to me is kind of the last bastion of uh people 
being able to talk like they talk or say things about people like they do. Uh, you know, basically treating people like livestock almost. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. That's just not something that is in this day and age is goes over well. Like, I'm curious how often you think about like, could I get canceled for saying this about a player? Oh, there is more than one time when I will talk to a guy and I'm like, man, I just got done watching your tape. Loved your feet, or I love, you know, guys your size don't usually move like that. And it's like the third text message I've sent this person. I'm like, I should back up. Like, let me hang on for a second. Like, I, my job makes me say weird shit, and I'm really sorry about that. I don't cuss at the kids, but just for the sake of the story here. Uh, but yeah, no, all the time. Like, you're constantly like, oh, God. But as far as the guys in my profession, I feel like I'm fairly tame i mean the the i mean, i don't think our members and certainly people listen to this podcast appreciate the verbal carnage that was barry every and the things he would say like calling a kid a flesh bomb once upon a time i don't even really know what that means but it makes me uncomfortable um just just stuff like that is amazing um but really the thing that's that bothers me the most right now, and it's just come up on my timeline again. It's that time of year where we get the only 25 stars were drafted. Stars don't matter. People understand math, understand it, and it just makes me crazy. They're it's totally unrelated. Stars, yeah. yeah, and they're like 93 stars. Yeah, there's 600 of them. Like mathematically, that should be that way. And if you look at it, your chances of being drafted as a five star are like seven hundred times more likely than as a as a three star. That's it's just math. One of the guys on the radio said something to me yesterday about, oh, I saw where only so many people were four stars or better that were drafted, so that must mean that recruiting doesn't matter as much anymore. And I was just like, it's the exact. I was like, opposite. I don't know what you read, uh, and I don't know where you got that, but I'm not commenting on that. So. I mean, I'm just, Ugh. it would be ridiculous. Like, it's, it's literally the exact opposite. Uh, I don't nearly, even, I haven't even seen the stats on stars and drafts so far this year. Something Fox College Football put out. So I don't know yeah. whose rankings they're using. I don't know. But 110 of the, what, roughly 250 guys that got drafted were four or five stars. It was probably, that's, was it? That's really good. I probably didn't see it because it's probably from somebody at Fox Sports that's blocked me. No, there was too much research to be done for it to be someone Oh, like yeah, that. okay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just someone yelling random garbage. Like, there should be 12 Oklahoma guys drafted this week. So, I mean, state of, excuse me, or Tulsa. Yeah, I. it just, every year it happens like this, though. Uh, it, it it's never ending, and I don't. You'd think I would learn, like you think I would mature past it, and I can't do it. Every year I get into one of these things, and I just can't help myself. I think it is being called out more and more, though. I think more and more people, and especially probably around here, are understanding that yeah, it, it does matter, and recruiting does matter who you bring in and who you don't. Look, I mean, all you have to do is look at Ohio State, Alabama. Clemson, yeah, Oklahoma. I mean, I mean, how many players from those teams litter the NFL? Sure. Well, and, and the thing that never comes, or not never, but rarely comes up in the argument is look at the guys you're talking about, these two and three stars. Where are they coming from? Central Michigan, Division Two. Like they're coming from these. It wasn't just the rankings that missed on those guys. 
all the, the these coaches that, uh, again, I, I always am really careful about this. I'm not saying I know more. I'm not saying anything like that. But these guys who clearly you revere didn't think they could, didn't think they were on their level either. And now they're getting the NFL draft and the guy they liked is nowhere. So it's not just about that. I, I, I don't why, don't know why that never gets brought into the argument. Probably because it doesn't do its best to shoot down that rankings don't matter. Like it, it's, oh, wait, a lot of people miss. If anything, you know? it's just that talent matters. That's all the NFL cares about. I mean, it's like I said, they, the NFL might be the most cancelable sport out there because all they care about is talent. I mean, when it comes down to it. Now, when it comes down to a first-rounder versus a third-rounder, maybe character falls in. I mean, we can get into the Ronnie Perkins stuff. Um, but, I mean, obviously there are some teams that that just will take someone and take them off the board. And they say, we're not, they're not, you know, because of some questionable character traits – we don't have them as a first-round pick or a second-round pick. And for whatever reason, I think a lot of teams did that with Ronnie Perkins, and he fell to a team that, you know, is is historically, you look at some of the players that they've taken, uh, they value talent more so. They, they feel like their culture will overcome any shortcomings in character, and they've done that with Randy Moss. They have did it with uh, what Corey Dillon, I think, was probably one of the first examples, the running back. Uh, but you can go. Uh, I mean, they. Ha- uh, uh, Garrett Blunt. The Garrett Blunt. I mean, my God. Uh, 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 Antonio Brown. I mean, go down the list. I mean, Aaron Hernandez. Hernandez. Yeah. I mean, uh, not this, uh, and that's a disservice to Ronnie Perkins and that's and my Ramondre thing. Though, Stevenson. Is like, what are we really talking about here? You know what I mean? I mean when when you're up- talking about those two guys, it's like we're talking about. They failed a drug test because they were smoking weed, right? Yeah, I mean, unless unless it's something out there that we never found out about that there was some type of PED thing. I do think I do think the whole Perkins thing about you know he was he was given the I think you know teams knowing that he was given a uh, a waiver, sure, uh, and then he was eligible to come back and he still failed sure. to meet the requirements to come back. Like that was a re- I'm sure that's a red flag for a lot of teams more so than Ramondre. Who just served out a suspension, and but it came pales right back. in comparison to somebody like the Josh Bell kid that the Cowboys drafted that had twelve instances of basically beating the shit out of his girlfriend. Like that's insane that those like those two would be seen by teams as the same thing. And I don't think they are, but you still have to be available to play, sure. regardless. No, of I, your, I get it. You know, I mean, it's you also still something have... that isn't tested in the NFL, though. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I just. I think that they just fell because they fell. I don't know if it had anything to do with... But guys, I know this came up on the board, but I got to think that Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson were like, really, Trajan Bridges? Really? Mm -hmm. Like, we're... Sure. Now, I can see that. I cannot get that out of my head. I know people were like, oh, fuck you, that's not... How dare you say that? But I... I think it has something to do with it. It's like, okay, these two were suspended with that guy, and now he's just been involved allegedly in a robbery. Like if that dude had problems and Lincoln Riley defended him, I think it would be naive. What about these other two? I think it would be naive to think too, that teams wouldn't put two and two together as far as the bridges stuff and how that affects Perkins and Stevenson. But I also don't know if I could go as far to say that that actually caused a drop, but we know that NFL teams, you know, they're spending money, and they want to make sure that they're not paying for damaged goods. I mean, if we're going to talk livestock terms again. Uh, 
it's just, I don't know. I, I can't help but think that that had something to do with it. I don't think Stevenson Guilt by association. Fell, I thought Stevenson would go like in the fifth or sixth round. I didn't think he fell. I I th- yeah, I thought he was a fourth round type guy. I mean, to me, the biggest surprise of, uh, of the person that fell that far was probably Tylen Wallace. Just based on what he did early in his career before he got injured. Which I can completely understand. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, talk about buying damaged goods. It I could understand that because teams aren't able to put these guys through physicals and through, you know, their own testing as far as, uh, you know, getting on, get them inside of their training facility or whatever. Yeah. And you don't, ha- you can't do the in-person physical and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I could understand that. I just, I don't know. I, from a situation standpoint, though, and what they are now, I I don't know if Ronnie could have gone to a better team. I mean, I have faith that Bill Belichick will figure out a way, Matt Patricia will figure out a way to use them. Well, and they didn't pick up uh, Sony Michelle's fifth-year option. Especially Ramondre. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think that they're necessarily they, – they, they're known for using a bunch of different running backs, yeah. right? Yeah. And getting rid of them – Early instead of late. <laughs> yeah, it's usually good. it's one, right. It's one year too early. It's good. Belichick. It's good for Ramondre's present. Not so great for his future to be going <laughs> to New England. Well, you show out, you'll be able to. They get just a better deal. Yeah, they just won't pay you. You have to go get your money somewhere else. No doubt. So I, I mean, but overall, the draft. I mean. I mean, it was about what we expect. I mean, Creed. I was a little maybe. surprised that Creed didn't go to Pittsburgh and that Pittsburgh didn't use an offensive or a, a pick for a center. But that fifty-fifth pick, yeah, the fifty-five, uh, the second-round pick. But yeah. I mean, who did they take there? Uh, who did they take? It was. Uh, it's a mystery. We'll never know. No, God, don't just don't care. I thought I had. No Steeler fans in the house, obviously. <laughs> uh, no, I don't cheer for criminals. <laughs> uh, th- they took the tight end, the Fryermuth Fryer oh, okay. kid yeah. from uh, Penn State. Penn State. Uh, but, I mean, My from God, every... Are th- I, I had no idea there were that many tight ends in the country. I, I mean, they went everywhere in that draft. I guess that's good news for uh, the Grant Calcaterra, not Grant Calcaterra, but uh, Austin Stogner's of the world, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. As long as he doesn't lose or Braden his leg. Willis. Yeah, that's true, too. So uh, falling, falling to Kansas City, though, is a great situation. I, I will say uh, I'll take full credit for uh, Creed going online and suggesting uh, barbecue joints because we had a DM discussion about that. And no sun jokes, all right? I've had enough of that. It's over. It's done. It was weird seeing his real dad, Carrie. <laughs> it felt unnatural. I was like... That this 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 ruins all of it. it well, it just shows you that I am closed. not his dad. I mean, that yeah. his dad is a large man, and I'm not yes. a large man. I, I'm round, but I'm not tall. It, it, like I said, I felt like that was the. I was like, okay, it's over now. We we can let go of the joke. It's it's finally done. What's the deal with the house? By the way, man, his family is living large. Uh, that's just Oklahoma living. You can build bigger houses in Shawnee, I guess. Shompton. I, I, Shout out. <laughs> By the way, I did. I had a chance. Uh, Josh was running an errand before the show. I had a chance to uh, to show Eddie all the hell damage. He was impressed. 
lot of hell damage. There was a, a hail, a, a piece of hail that hit my car so forcefully it actually ripped the steel on my car. That's that's crazy. I mean, like I guess you think about it, like you know, boats hit icebergs all the time. Like, so I guess it makes sense. But that's just crazy that 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 it can just cut through that stuff like that. Um, I still, I, 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 of all the stuff I saw, Joe C's video was insane. I would not open my front door. It was so scary. I mean, it sounded like people were just throwing baseballs at my house. I'm telling you, man, this North Norman area just, it was pounded. And it's crazy that, you know, Bob, if Bob's house was, you know, two miles north. It would yeah, be bad. I, just a little bit <laughs> south and east. And it was like rain, Don't say it, Bob. some hail, but survived this one. You blew it north. I'll take this over tornadoes <laughs> yes. any day. As much as my life is hell because I've got to get adjusters showing up. Uh, my, my car is probably totaled. Mm. I mean, there's not a there's not a panel on that car that doesn't have a, a huge dent in it. I was thinking it was going to be like massive basketball sized, like just completely unrecognizable you know that that car that you when you were on espn the uh beat texas yeah, car yeah have you ever like taken part in a, a sledgehammer to a car no have any of you guys done that yeah in high school it was a it was a tradition for one of our uh one of our rivalry yeah games. we did Might that in high school north. too it is really smashing up bmws i mean like you think <laughs> if you take a bm if you take a a sledgehammer to a car like you're going to do some damage it's hard to do damage to a car like you swing that thing and you think i'm going to cave this hood in and it's like you put a dent in it but it's not like you ruin the car we never touch cars vandalism only houses mailboxes and mailboxes yes i had the mailbox discussion the other day i played some mailbox baseball we we would do that do a little uh night golfing as well during christmas season the thing that you don't know about mailbox baseball is the recoil oh yeah is not good you can really mess up your car yeah by the by the bat coming back against the car right that's why we just pushed them over you just like got out of the car and just pushed them over one thousand percent what's the fun in that because it's pretty funny i mean i could go push (laughs) your mailbox over right now (laughs) i don't think you could i don't think you could Uh, we'd have to see what kind of brick it is. There was it's not a couple brick. neighborhoods. Look out that window and tell me if you think you could push that mailbox over. Oh, not that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that one. For some reason, I was thinking it was brick. The brick mailboxes, you can push those things over very easily. I've had someone take out a brick mailbox of mine before. You can also, uh, I mean, you do a lot of fun things. That does a lot of damage to your car, though, if you hit a brick mailbox. Yeah, you don't want to run it over. That's why you get out of the car and you just push it over. So anyway, um, but the best is night golf. I mean, that's the best game of all time. It's when people put the lights like lining their street mm-hmm. and you just kind of take the one end of it and you can either hang out of the window with a hockey stick and just or you just take the uh, the end of it and you put it in the side of the car, close the door and then just drive off and they all are littered down the street. It was back in the day, though. It was more like 2004, 2005. You think that's a cold case somewhere in the Putnam City? Uh, 
It might police be. Department. It might be. Is there a Putnam City Police Department? There's a Putnam City like campus. War Acres. Yeah, like War Acres. Yeah, War, War Acres. Acres you don't want department. to do anything over in that area. Yeah, don't d- like if you're doing 36 and a 35, you will get arrested. Yeah, don't you, mess around. <laughs> you might not want to. Might not want to do that over there. Okay, so we stayed in our privileged community of Northwest Oklahoma City. So we've talked about Champion Barbecue, uh, and Josh, you mentioned like midweek official visits, things like that. How much of that are you kind of catching wind of at this point? Uh, you know, a fair bit um, because there are, like I said, there are guys that are that are already doing other things. Um, you know, uh, for example, like Gentry Williams was going to come because originally the barbecue was supposed to be June eleventh. And then there were other weekends that were kind of conflicting, and it was going to make it a difficult thing. So Oklahoma shifted it back to June 18th. Well, they had several visits that were set up, like Derek Brown, the the defensive uh, defensive uh, excuse me, the rush linebacker from Texas High, and Gentry Williams. Both they were going to come in on June 11th, but when OU moved it, they kind of had to. They both had already made plans at other places. I know Derek Brown is supposed to be at Texas A&M that weekend on the June 18th weekend, so I know Derek Brown is supposed to come in like June 14th and come in kind of midweek. Now, I believe that to be an unofficial visit, and I think he's going to take his official for the Nebraska game, which you know Bob and I have talked about. That kind of sounds like the early season game that Oklahoma is going to put a lot of energy into getting kids to campus for their official visits. I know Raleigh Brown will be in that weekend as well. So um, that's kind of looking like the next kind of big moment. But, yeah, you're, you're seeing some stuff. You know, Gentry, I, I'm sure – they're going to get him down to campus. I don't know if they'll kind of do the same thing. They may push him and try to get him in for the Nebraska weekend for his official visit. But, you know, as far as it's just one of those things where he can come down several times. So I'm going to guess they try and do something similar with him, maybe have him come down on like a Thursday where, you know, um, Roy Manning, Alex Grinch, Lincoln Riley, they can all just kind of shower him with attention and really make sure he's – it's clear to him how important he is to their effort. So you're starting to see some of that. But I, I think Oklahoma's pretty happy so far with what that June 18th is producing, getting a lot of the guys. Because you look at the list, and I'm not sure it's all of OU's absolute top guys, but I think it, what it does is say you start to get some of those offensive linemen to commit or some of those DBs or some of the, you know those guys. Well, then you get to go to those higher-end guys and say, hey, man, you know, we love you. We're running out of spots. We want you to be in this class. Would you like to come take a visit? You know, kind of see if we're going to be something you're serious about. It's, it's a careful pressure. You have to be careful how hard you push some of these elite guys, but it does give you that chance to say, Hey, we only have so many spots and we want you to be part of this. So. Uh, again, I, I think it's an interesting method where they might get some of their guys that are definite takes, but aren't the guys that you know they that the, that they are going to have to wait as long as possible for. Kind of a two part question, just as far as like Champion Barbecue and like the reopening of recruiting that I want to ask both of you. Is it like a? Do we are we prepared to like? know how different this is going to be and how wild this is going to be over the next I guess month of June and with kids getting back out to to campuses and being able to kind of be able to talk to coaches again being able to do things and I guess on the kind of following up on the other side of that 
do you think that there's going to be a rash, not rash, I guess, but do you think there's going to be a rush of people committing that we've never seen before as far as because they're going to be caught up in the excitement of being able to take visits? Does that make sense what I'm trying to ask there? No, I, I get what you're saying completely. Just kind of the idea of these guys are finally able to take visits and it's they're so... There's been a year away from it. I mean, so these guys, most of these guys have no knowledge of what this stuff feels like to even just be hosted for an unofficial visit. They've never, I mean, this, uh, very few of these guys have even been, you know, really to a campus and to a game environment. So it's just going to be kind of from zero to 100 just overnight in recruiting. So I absolutely think you're going to see a big run of commitments in June. I think it's going to be crazy. I don't think it's just for Oklahoma. I think it will be nationwide where guys take two, three, four official visits in a matter of a month and then think, okay, I'm ready to decide. Because just like what we were talking about with Oklahoma a little while ago where they want to get, or, you know, not Oklahoma, but just schools in general, they want to get these guys to campus. So if everything shuts down, they'll be able to say, hey, you came and saw us. You, you feel comfortable with us, you know us, you've met us, all those things. It's the same that's true for the kids because they, they want to be able to take all the visits they possibly can before it, it goes away again, if it does. So there are kids that are going to, I mean, really hammer out a bunch of official visits and keep themselves busy in June. And frankly, it's a good month for it because there's not a lot of stuff going on. You know, there's no track for, for the guys that run track. There's, a very limited camps. Um, you know, there, there's, you're not going to be messing with off season that much for your high school teams. So there's a lot of availability to go do these things. So I think guys, like I said, I, I, I know of a guy I mentioned in woke, um, this week, a new offensive lineman that we're still kind of confirming with him for his official visit, but I've been told he will come. He's trying to set up all five. Like he, he wants to have that done. So we'll see kind of what exactly plays out. But, yeah, I think because you're seeing it now, guys. It, the, ever since the NCAA announced that this was going to reopen in June, you've seen a massive fall off in commitments. Guys are all kind of pumping the brakes because why hurry? I'm going to go take my visits in the summer, and then you know we're kind of off to the races again. I think it'll be a lot like what we saw, what, last April, May, when everything started to close down and the guys started to realize – there were only so many spots. They may not get to take an official visit. You better commit to where you want to go. It'll be interesting because a lot of kids are trying to do those five visits within that two-month time frame. What is that going to mean for September through November? Are, are you going to be able to have big visit weekends or have you already done everything you possibly can to where those in-season visits don't resonate nearly as much as they as they used to, like you kind of gear up for that one weekend. We talk about Nebraska. If you're looking down the road, maybe Iowa State. Are, is that going to be something that doesn't really pan out because you did everything you possibly could in June and July, and you got the results that you were looking for? I'd imagine that I, kids are going to have to make decisions too, as far as like, and I guess Oklahoma kids, you know, guys that are being recruited by Oklahoma probably don't have to worry about this. But I'd have to think that there's going to have to be decisions made as far as. Do I go to a camp this weekend or do I go and visit a campus? And I guess you could do one and the same and kind of kill two birds with one stone if you were going to camp and visit a campus at the same time. But, you know, there, there's only so many weekends in a, in a summer. Yeah, 
I, my biggest thing is I, I think, especially Eddie, like you, uh, you said at a school like Oklahoma, I don't think they have to have the same level of concern because like I said, you're hoping this, that, that champion barbecue, you're going to knock out four or five commitments. I mean, I, I know that's going to get OU fans excited, but I, I would guess that's what they're hoping. They've got three or four guys that they are hoping when those guys leave campus, they're on the books for us. Now, other visits may still happen, but at least that guy is on board. You can start to kind of put him in your in your tally. What is going to be interesting, does that allow Oklahoma to use those weekend visits in this, during the season to really isolate? Like, we're going to have Gabe Dindy and two other guys. Or we're going to have, you know, Gentry Williams and three other guys. Like, really be able to zero in on these. You guys are elite. We're going to, Lincoln Riley's going to spend almost the whole weekend with you. You know, he's going to make you bacon with your name on it. It's so personal. I mean, like, that kind of thing where you've got this mass weekend where a big thing is going to happen. And there may be a, another weekend where OU has eight or nine guys come in over the summer. Does that allow Oklahoma to then kind of turn and make each weekend during the season a little bit more of a centralized focus on three or four of their really top end elite guys? Uh, I'm curious, kind of like how this is going to go with. I mean, we know how it'll go with the high end guys. Everybody's going to pressure them, but with all the transfers and things and the numbers and people coming back, like how much that's going to confuse things in terms of, you know, people kind of slow playing, you know, a lot. Like I said, not the high-end guys, but the mid-tier guys. I mean, I I have to think that there's going to be a lot of teams kind of trying to just slow play guys. Well, that's where you get into the portal conversation. Like, how much is what these schools have learned in this kind of first off season of the portal – how do they weigh that against, okay, we could have this corner transfer, you know, from some SEC school, or we can take this guy. So they, they, you almost, it's almost like having a whole, I mean, I know we've talked about it, I'm just not a novel idea, but you have a whole new recruiting pool that you kind of have to weigh against. You know, do we want Eric Gray, who may only be a one year guy, or do you go and get a running back that maybe is not going to be ready to help you in year one, like that transfer from Tennessee would, but is a guy you're going to have for a few years and you can kind of build your roster? It's 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 just interesting those rentals. And I know I know some people have kind of brought up like, oh, you know, high school kids need to need to jump on this because there's you know fewer high school offers. I don't know how you make sense of that. There's still the same amount of scholarships around college football. Like I don't understand how that argument happens like now you may go to you may fall farther down the line it may be a deal where in four years ago you'd have gone to Oklahoma but instead now you're going to go to Kansas State or something but there's no like it didn't because guys can transfer now they're going to leave that school and go to a new one well the old school now has another opening like I, I don't really understand how people think that the numbers have somehow changed it's still the same amount of scholarships and I also think now the token visit needs to happen. I used, You know how much I've hated the token visit for years, Josh, but Wanya Morris is a great example, right? If OU doesn't get that token visit back in the day, does everything come together as fast as it did when he hit the portal? I mean, for some, for some of these kids, just get them to campus 
this first time around might end up helping you two, three years going down the road if they ever do enter the portal at the school that they were at. Even if they didn't pick you initially, you've set the groundwork for what you can do during the second chance. I think it makes it more important than ever to use up all of those official visits that you have. That 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 number that the NCAA assigns, which I believe is 55? Is yeah, that I was right? going to ask. Like, I, yeah, I can't, I I can't remember what that number was, but I, I knew that there was a cap right. at some point. Yeah, I think that's right. But it, I, I, why wouldn't you use it because of that very reason that Bob's talking about? And it's it's something that I'm hearing more and more staffs kind of bring up is, yeah, we may not get this kid this time, but he's going to go to that place that, you know, his home state school that's in trouble anyway. And then a year or two from now, hey, man, we, we might have something cooking with this guy. And, he, you know, he'll he'll fit in because, you know, X is going to graduate that year anyway. So there is um, there's a lot of that, uh, a, a lot of conversation about it's not just recruiting for 2022. You might be building your 2024 roster from a guy that, you know, picked another school when he signed. So there's absolutely some of that kind of um, jockeying for position going around. Now, you have to be careful. You don't want to do too much of that and waste your time on guys that you're not going to get and then don't get the guys you do need to get to fill out your roster. But, yeah, I I think there's absolutely a chance where you say, you know, for some elite receiver or some elite quarterback that maybe he's only taken three or four officials, hey, man, come in, give us a look and, you know, Whatever. I mean, they don't have to put it out there that this is this is to recruit you out of the portal in a few years. But, you know, you can just give us a look and, you know, who knows what could happen kind of thing. God, that could get dirty. Oh, 100%. I mean, I guess not even – I guess the right way would be to say it could get dirtier. Well, I mean, if you ask Arkansas fans, it already has. I mean, and Mike Woods did even visit OU once upon a time. So, you know, it's a, it's a hard life out there. Yeah, those well, people I, are fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean, why would a wide receiver go from Arkansas to Oklahoma unless there's cheating? It just wouldn't make any sense at all. I think we found that the Arkansas fans are they're unstable. Crazy as they're unstable. Don't do it, Kerry. Don't do it. You've learned. You're not this guy anymore. You've learned. I'm not back, going back after away. their legends like Rex Burkhead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jones. yeah, Ryan Mallett or those are the Arkansas football legends. I'm not going to disrespect Darren McFadden. I like him. I think- I, I like him but the I'm, i still remember the argument that he was better than adrian and i was like you you guys are high you're just high do you like matt jones more than ryan mallet as a college player 100 percent. yeah he was in that seven overtime madness that i'll never forget that game i remember being like we were waiting to go out that night like go out and some bars some parties and stuff and we literally didn't leave until the end of that game and we kept like another 10 minutes another 10 minutes and it ended up we were like two hours late he was also a part of the world's worst bowl game, the 2001 Cotton Bowl. That is true. Yep. I, guys, I almost, I dare say we should leave that, like, off the pod. Like, we can't even, that, that's a game we do not speak of. That was a miserable event all the way around. I mean, they won. I mean, great defense, just the rest of it sucked. Yeah, set, <laughs> yeah. set offense back I think they had years. 56 total yards of offense or something around there. <laughs> Arkansas they, did. Yeah, no, they did. Mm-hmm. They did. I've looked at that box score before. It was it was something insane. 65, and, maybe, I'm getting the numbers and they, back. I think they completed like two passes. Uh, it was some. It was something insane like that. They they were just abysmal. And OU, to be fair, was really, really good on defense that year. 
slept in a car the night before that game. In Fair Park? Uh, no, I was in high school. Oh, okay. I slept next to a Oklahoma buddy City. who um, who, who uh, connected with his girlfriend uh, about five feet to my left in a really large bed. It was <laughs> not, not great. <laughs> scarring. Scarring moment for me. Scarring, but also a moneymaker as well. You've sold that I mean, video all Year's over the Eve, place. You know, I'm not, I'm not faulting the guy. Well, like, I, I mean, mean, you know. Any, any accidental touching? Any bowl game that starts no. at 1030 in the morning isn't worth my time. Did you ever oh. at one point fear that you were going to be in a threesome? Two guys and a girl? No. Well, MMF? There, there was um, there was a discreet move like I because again I it started while I was asleep and then you wake up and you're like what do I do here like I can't just get up and walk out of the room <laughs> so yeah. it was uh, it it was awkward I would it, have gotten was... up and got out of the room I would have been mm-hmm. like yep screw I, you guys I'm not I would have to this. think that's a situation that you couldn't stand up to get out of the room right just agree with me and we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Let me ask you guys, um, moving on to a little team stuff, um, what's the temperature of the room on Spencer Rattler as the number one overall pick next year? Again, this is one of those things that I feel like I don't know why I should be surprised by it, but I feel like there's a... Is he the lazy pick? Is he just the easy pick? There's some of that. I think that there's a little bit of that, but I think that there's also this segment of people that are surprised by it somehow. Yeah. I don't, Am I, mean, I the only one that's kind of feeling that? Like, that people are somehow surprised that Spencer if Rattler... If they're surprised, they just haven't been paying attention to all the top quarterback returner, re, returnee lists that have been out there. Sure. I think that maybe that's a right. little bit of it. And then when you add in the fact that it's... And I think... It would only be his second year as a starter. So I think people are like, really? He's sure. already gone? Yes. That makes He's sense. He's already going to be gone. <laughs> but they're almost in a position where he kind of needs to go. Like, I, I mean, as crazy as that oh, sounds. Oh, he, he needs to have a – he need, Spencer Rattler needs to make the jump that he – I mean, it was obvious that he made oh, a yeah, jump. Oh, yeah, he's not the number one pick right now. I right. mean, you're assuming a lot. You're assuming that Oklahoma gets back to what Oklahoma has done over the last couple of years. Yeah. And maybe that's almost discrediting what Baker and Kyler were able to do, even a Jalen Hurts. But if Jalen Hurts can be somebody that is that makes progression in Lincoln Riley's offense, I would think that Spencer Rattler's progression is... I mean, you just give him half of the number of touchdowns that they dropped a year ago, and his numbers are all of a sudden that much better. Yeah. And we, I mean, we don't know. We've never seen Lincoln Riley with a freshman quarterback. I mean, we just haven't. We've Fair. seen... Baker come in as a transfer. He played a year somewhere else. Kyler played. He started three games before, and then he spent two years before he was ever the starter. So, uh, what I mean to me, what Kyler did is probably undersold is how amazing that was for him to come in and win a Heisman and to be the first overall pick with one year of starting under his belt. All the while going through a spring in which he was playing baseball half the time. Exactly. Uh, I mean, so Spencer... I mean, we're not judging him based on his freshman. We're projecting him, you know, to be Baker and Kyler, and he, he's not there yet. He's he's not the number one pick yet. You have to take a leap of faith to say that he'll be there. So I don't think there's anything wrong with projecting him, but sitting there saying he's the best quarterback that's going to be in the draft right now, he's not. 
And I mean, is the Coastal Carolina kid, is he eligible, draft eligible? Because people leave him out of the conversation when they talk about the top guy that I had kind of forgotten about that's in the conversation is the kid at Cincinnati. I guys, have you watched him much? I think it's insane he's part of that conversation. Really? I saw I, him play late in the year. When I just they saw were, what they did. Yeah, like I just saw, I would see the highlights and shit like that. It not. I can't say that I've sat and watched him the entire time. And yes, Kerry, the Grayson McCall kid would be eligible. He's a redshirt sophomore. Desmond Ritter is the uh, Cincinnati's uh-huh. kid's name. And, then, I mean, and there's also the kid from Liter- uh, Liberty, the Malik Willis kid that a lot of people like. Uh, the Athletic Willis, had him yep. going mm-hmm. fifth overall, I believe, in the 2022 mm-hmm. mock draft. It's and then you just, throw in JT Daniels and obviously Sam Hallett. North I Carolina. don't think highly of JT Daniels at all. Really? Nope. I I'm, think I, his arm I, strength I is horrific Ooh. for a, a legit draft pick. Well, Jake Frommish? Uh, it is a little Jake Frommish, yeah. <laughs> I, think so. I, I think this is like the, this is the overcorrection. This is the reverse correction, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in love with JT Daniels like I was. What about what about Slovis at Southern Cal? He's a dude. I like him a lot. Yeah, I like him. Uh, I think it's Howell, Rattler, and Slovis. I think they are clearly the three right now that you would say are your most likely. Although you know what? Um, What's weird is USC people don't think that highly of Slovis. It's funny because I was just going to ask you guys, do you feel like we have more concerns and questions about Spencer Rattler than like the national media does? Sure, 100%. yeah, because we've seen every one I, of his snaps. Yeah, it's just interesting because like, at the same time, defensively, I'm like, guys, I think you guys need to buy into what's happening a little more here. Like, um, I love what I've seen of Hal, but I've also seen some just shit plays from Hal, too, from, yeah, from North true. Carolina. Oh, I mean, just he, turn on the film in the second half of the Notre Dame game. Yeah, they were awful. Yeah. But they were right. great in the first half. Sure. Yeah. Like, he was great. <laughs> it was a little bit of everything in that. And it was the opposite in the Florida State game where they were terrible in the first half and just came roaring back, but it just wasn't quite enough. I will say, I mean, I don't doubt Hal's arm strength. His deep ball is really good. But I don't know about him as an overall quarterback just because he does so much in the run game. It's kind of like, uh, who took Ian Book? Was it San Francisco? No. New Orleans. New Minnesota? Orleans. Oh, yeah, New Orleans. No, it was New Orleans. Yeah. Which... Good luck. No, Mr. Tigmont. I mean, it's like they drafted another, uh, what's his name, from BYU. Yeah. Taysom Hill. Yeah, yeah, Taysom Hill. I don't think he's as athletic, like, not playing quarterback, right? Ian Book? He just can't throw. He's really athletic. He can run. I mean, He's a pretty good runner. He is. He He can run. A little bit better than I was thinking. He's not Taysom Hill. I agree with you there, but he's pretty athletic. But I agree with Kerry as well. I mean, I'd rather have... I'd rather have Ian Book as my quarterback, right? Oh, I'd rather have Taysom Hill. Really, from what little I've seen of him as a starter, what you can do with him, I think I just have like, this like he just throws better than I thought he did when he just when he became a starter and they lined him up and just let him drop back and pass. I was shocked at how well he was as a passer, how good he was as a passer, especially when Breeze was hurt there for those yeah. couple weeks during the middle of the season. Like it made sense that they started him over Jameis Winston, watching him play. I love uh, getting back I to the... Guess. But I, I think it's just overall, there's no, it's not a eye-popping quarterback class, at least at this point. It doesn't seem that way. And North See, I think it's really deep. I think it's, there's a lot of good players. I don't, you don't have that Trevor Lawrence, that Andrew Luck, that one dude that you're like, whatever else, that guy is no doubt. Um, I, I think everybody has their knocks, their questions, and... I think Spencer Rattler, I don't know that he'll get to the level of the two guys I just mentioned, but I 
I mean, I think there's no doubt that with his arms out, the way he throws the ball, if he can show all the decision-making and the processing that they're looking for, he can be the clear number one guy. By the way, who does Mac Jones sue for, or who does Justin Fields sue for all the Mac Jones hype and the slander on him? I mean, Mac Jones, what do you mean? Mac Jones was not going number three ever. Hmm. Supposedly, the 49ers front office had a, like, Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, and John Lynch wanted Fields. And so they took they took the North Dakota State guy? I mean, not Fields, so uh, Trey Lance. Lance. Sorry, Lance. sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. John Lynch wanted Trey Lance. I just would not want Mac Jones over those two guys. I, that That's the question. Like, how are we... No, no. God, no. I, I, I still think... Mac Jones right now, everybody's like, oh, Mac Jones at 15. If he wasn't drafted by the Patriots, there would be a lot more people asking questions. But people are convinced because they hit on Tom Brady that the Patriots know something not everybody else knows. I like, said, he's a decent arm. He's a smart kid. Sure, all that stuff. But, like, there's plenty of question marks about Mac Jones. I don't think that you can compare the two as far as what they've been able to produce on the field in terms of wins for their program. But – haven't we seen the Patriots already draft a Mac Jones type guy in Jarrett Stidham? Like I thought, and I was completely wrong about Jarrett Stidham. I was too. I thought he was going to be really good. I did too. Art Bryles screwed him over, man. I don't know though. He should have stayed at Tech or with Tech way back when. That was the first place he committed, right? At, at Rivals Camp, didn't he? It. It, I don't know if it was at a rival's camp, but I know Tech was where he originally committed. Was that when Leach was still? That wasn't that far back. No, that would have been Kingsbury. No, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he, he he's another one that I thought was going to be great and just wasn't. But I think Bill Belichick just wants a quarterback where he can eliminate kind of the unknown. He wants a guy that's going to be back, you know, just distributing the ball from the pocket. I think he's I, I, one of those holdovers that still doesn't believe in the running quarterback. Well, he has yeah. Cam Newton. And it hasn't gone well. Sure. Right. I, I, exactly. was, I was listening to a podcast this week, and they were talking about that first time that like Cam Newton and Matt Jones walk onto the field. You know Cam's going to be like, who is this little bitch? Like, who is this guy? Like, he's nobody. Why does he have moves? Yeah, like Cam's 6'5". Like, like, he's out of central casting, and Matt Jones looks like, just any dude like he looks like he could be an it programmer but then they'll start throwing the football and then you'll realize that rag arm is a rag arm yeah i just and that's the other thing too yeah cam's got an absolute cannon not, not anymore he does it that's his problem he can't throw the ball nah, i just enough. hope that he dresses him for all the games i want to see oh, mac God, jones showing be... up in like a fedora with a boat like with a boa around his a wood yeah oh that'd be amazing he's he's Gone to like scarves though, hasn't he? Yeah, like he just wears whatever. I think the worse he gets, it's the really weirder strange. he dresses. The the thing you have to give up to Mac, he has absolutely turned into the crash of his body type and everything. Like he hasn't tried <laughs> like I mean like the the Tom Brady side by side. That's amazing. Like you got like dude. No, it was great. And I know like Woody and some of our guys at Rivals have always talked about that him just being a a dude's dude and like the way he is 
handled himself absolutely feels that way. Like that's a guy you could have a beer with and be pretty chill about. Rivals legend. There's no doubt about it. Now I tweet <laughs> I tweeted this out. Um, you know, just about Oklahoma having three defensive players drafted, and the fact that they lose their two biggest playmakers. Really, well, three call them three, three. You really lose three of your biggest playmakers, yet you return a defense that looked pretty damn good in the spring game, and you've got young guys that we all know. Um, you know, Woody Washington, um, DJ Graham. I mean, guys in the secondary. I mean, safety still remains a concern there. We didn't see Jeremiah Cradell. Uh, but up front, I mean, you talk about the dudes that they've got and Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas, and you know, we'll see if Jalen Redmond can make that jump. Here's my question. Who are the guys that are drafted on this defense right now? Not even next year, but who are legit draft picks? Like, I'm sure Isaiah Thomas will get drafted. I'm not sure where. Just just completely guessing. The first thing comes to mind, like third, fourth round. For Isaiah? Yeah. Right. Yep. I think mm-hmm. I mean if you if you gotta start at the top though, you're going Perry on Winfrey, and I think yeah. that yeah. he could end up being the highest Winfrey, draft pick Benito. OU's had, right? Mm-hmm. Or not had ever. I I don't think he's gonna go three like Gerald did, but I You I, think he and Benito could both go first round? I yep. do. How high could a Perry on Winfrey go? I would say like twelve to fifteen. See, would I was probably gonna, be like the ceiling. I, I depending and this is the thing I love about the mock draft process in twenty twenty two is like not only are you predicting who's gonna go, but what teams are gonna need what at what yeah, point. Yeah. Like if 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 you told me he was going to be the number eight pick in the twenty twenty two draft, I guess I could believe it. I'd say somewhere in between eight and fifteen would probably be like the tops for him in a perfect scenario. He's just gotta, and I say this: just don't kill anybody. Lovingly, this yeah, he's got to keep his nose clean, mm-hmm. which hasn't always been his history. And he also wore thigh pads with Mike Myers and Jason on them in the See, spring I, game. He went See, up in my 2022 uh, draft because of that. He just skyrocketed up John Gruden's it list. Was like so I guarantee weird. it. Like when I noticed that in the picture, I was like, "Is that I can't Mike not Myers and now. Jason?" I can't not see it every time I see him or like see that picture. I think a, a really interesting guy over, and who knows, you know, where he ends up and when he ends up coming out is like, where does a David Awegbu? end up yeah. in the NFL draft because I mean he from could a be talent the most potential NFL sure. talent on this entire defense Josh you agree with that I, I I would I mean you talk about a prototypical guy he he's almost like you wouldn't ask for that you know like they'd say that oh they couldn't make up this story it wouldn't nobody believe it like as a linebacker with his measurables and speed you're like that's not so that's not supposed to happen it doesn't work like that and he's I, I think his upside is just enormous. Uh, another guy, just to you know, kind of move along the same lines, Reggie Grimes. Reggie Grimes, you talk about a guy that looks like an NFL defensive end, 6'4", 260, big, long arms, has a, you know, obviously his dad played. I mean, there's a lot there that I think you like. I mean, it's just Brian Osamo. I mean, there's a there's a lot of guys as you go through this list that you can find arguments to why they would really work in the league. Any thoughts about a potential defensive back being a second third round pick like a Woody Washington maybe? I think DJ I'm all Graham aboard the, the yeah. leap first. I'm all aboard the DJ Graham wagon. 
That's mm-hmm. now that can't be I, this year, obviously, because he's on the yeah, top. Yeah, sure, but yeah. And, and I say that as a guy who, uh, of his class, he was one of the guys I was lowest on, and I'll, I'll totally own that. I I thought he was a good player. I didn't I didn't think he moved like you needed to as a corner. I thought he was a little upright. Played a little high, just didn't. I thought he was going to be a little stiff as a corner, and man, I don't see any of that. Like, I don't know if I just was just absolutely wrong, or if they worked on something. I, I don't know what it was, but he looks like a different athlete. And then you throw on the fact that he does have long speed; he'll run well in the forty. I mean, there's there's just a lot to like about him. He's one of those guys. Well, like, Josh, I don't know how. Go ahead, Bob. When you saw him, Josh, he thought he'd be wide receiver. So who knows what kind of technique he really was using in the secondary back in high school. And it's just a total different mindset now for him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he he was a receiver return man when I saw him. You know, for Keller Central. I mean, he was that. That's who he was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that that gets talked about enough. We talk about Roy Manning as a recruiter and all his energy, but for a guy that a lot of people doubted as a corners coach because he kind of had more of a linebacker's background, man, all he's doing is turning out good corners right now, just one after another. The the fact that they got somebody like, and I guess you could say it's kind of his first, uh, I guess, skin on the wall, but like the fact that Trey Brown got drafted tells me everything I need to know about what Roy Manning's doing. I know that Trey has undeniable speed but he wasn't exactly playing up to that level three years ago right did you see the stat that you know when he had that chase down in the big 12 game Mm -hmm. that was faster he was clocked faster than any nfl player last year even dk metcalf when he was chasing down that's a uh, good question i think they said it was like it was like 23 versus like 22.6 i guess they're teammates now we can get that race set up at some point did you see the the comments? And I think it was, uh, yeah, Carol was saying they don't they don't necessarily see Trey Brown as a slot guy. Like they drafted him to play corner, just corner. Uh, and I know people are like, well, what's the difference? Well, there's a there's a clear difference, but they they want him to play wide apparently, which is really interesting. And the, here's the thing: you guys are talking about DJ Graham. Like I don't know what his height is. I'm, you guys can tell me. I don't concern myself with that because he's so long. Like he plays like he's just arms. Trey, I mean, like yeah, no DJ Graham. Oh, I'm sorry. No Trey's his height concerns. It's like huh? That was it. That was all I had. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how fast he is. Fast enough. No, I mean I'm just saying with DJ Graham. You know, his length is what I, impresses me most. Yeah, 100%. We just lost Bob. I guess with you know with that group, though, it, and I think this is the most interesting thing, is the way that they've recruited it has been able, it allows you to start talking about guys like uh, DJ Graham, or you get into the next class, and now you have a Clayton Smith on campus. You could even, I guess, in a way, consider the Key Lawrence kid in that group of guys that just haven't played. Now, what is, let's get a Pearl update. Uh, is, what is she saying? Is she saying anything at this point? She loves reading. It's all about read, 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 dad, dad, read. Hmm. I'm reading books like crazy. That's interesting. Um, well, she's War and Peace. Yeah. Third chapter. <laughs> yeah. What kind of books exactly? Are we talking like Clifford the Big Red Dog or are we talking like uh, crime novels? <laughs> Clifford was badass. I don't even know. Is that a book? Not- 
Or is that just a TV show? I don't know. I think it was both. Uh, I apologize. We had some internet connection problems, and uh, Eddie was talking about something I have no idea because I'm just triggered at everything. No, today. we were just talking about the defensive guys and what who could be projected as guys that would be drafted, and I think that you know you can't have the conversation without mentioning, and it's, even though guys that they haven't literally played a snap of real football in Norman, uh, you look at this last recruiting class, whether it be, and I'm going to add Key Lawrence into the group, him, Clayton Smith, like any of the new is Isaiah Coe somebody that ends up being a draftable guy? Could Josh Ellison be a draftable guy at some point? I think Jordan Kelly's the guy you have to put maybe at the top of that list just based on all the buzz he's getting. You, you know what's crazy? If I was gonna, if you said you had to pick one guy from this defense to be a first round pick, absolutely, if he's the guy, I'd bet on Clayton Smith. He'd be my pick right now, even not playing a snap of football. He's the guy I would buy into. Before Perrion Winfrey? Yeah. Really? Because Winfrey, there's still it's it's not it's not the talent. That's not the problem. Mm-hmm. Like it's just getting to the draft. Man, are we gonna have to make a bet if uh <laughs> ugh, I don't know. I'm not even gonna say it. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. What if Buki gets drafted out of Washington? I think there should be some type of like seance in Norman if there is if he is. That's why he's driving a Tesla too. And he got the good hands award for spring. I, I do have a soapbox to get on. Uh Ooh. and it goes back to the Trajan Bridges thing. It's like by the way, no update. Yeah, we still have not had I any. I mean, we haven't filed. talked since Seth McGowan entered the portal, and I I think it is kind of interesting to see what happens at running back? You know, you're talking about like, do you leave spots open or do you bank on the portal? And I mean, if that was Oklahoma's plan this past year, I guess it worked out to a certain extent with Eric Gray because I think it's obvious that he's probably one of the best transfers in all of college football. But I mean, the numbers are still pretty light over there. Yeah, I and who knows where Seth McGowan ends up? I mean, I I think that SMU. we got to get that entire thing wrapped up before you can start moving on right yeah you can't really accept a transfer with a guy that has potential charges pending yeah gary patterson might true i don't know if you saw seth mcgowan last year is he worth taking the risk sure i don't know i don't think so i mean he hasn't done anything on the field for you to justify that yet um i i had something and then i just my head said something about trajan bridges so yeah 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 my soapbox um this whole thing, and it's not a widespread thing, but I I feel partly responsible as a member of the media because, you know, like college game day, all these te- you know people come in and they do these stories about you know athletes that came from nothing and came from nowhere, uh, to be because it's this great story that you know wins people Emmys. I think is why they always try and do these stories, and it's emotional, tugs at your heartstrings. But I think it's it's got to a point where people are just conditioned to think that all young black athletes like grew up in poverty and come from nothing. It's like, you know, Trajan Bridges' family can like afford a used Lexus. It's not like that big of it. Like a lot of kids that are going to college, they didn't come from nothing. I mean, just because a kid's black and he's he's an athlete doesn't mean that he grew up, you know, with a, only a mother and was came out of poverty in order to get a scholarship and make something of himself. Like, 
a lot of kids, Josh, you can you can chime in. I mean, a lot of kids that we talk to have pretty normal lives, regular middle class families. I mean, it's I it bugs me that it you know when stuff like this comes like how's he driving that car well because both his parents work and they do pretty well like it's not uncommon for a kid just to be a normal everyday person that you grow up with uh this is interesting for you to drag me into your soapbox but um but no you're you're absolutely right like i I, you meet kids all the time that are from i mean the the thing is though carrie it works the other way too like, you'll see a white guy where that question's not asked, and I'm like, I, I know he doesn't come from much. Like, that doesn't, you know, I I came from a pretty limited background. Like, not crazy or anything. I'm just kind of lower middle class. Like, so I, I get all of that stuff. But, yeah, there is a weird um, need to kind of, oh, well, that, that must be something foul there because of X, Y, Z. And the thing that... One of these things that we always get into with the, oh, these schools are cheating or paying players. I know plenty of, uh, of kids, black and white, that if you tried to come at them like that, you're going to hurt your chances more than you're going to help it. Like their parents are way too engaged, way too involved, are smart enough to realize that that's just going to lead you down a bad path. And like, I, guys, I, 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 the one I've used it before and, you know, I've, I've talked about this before. Gabe Lynn's dad. I can remember having a conversation with him where he's talking about, and you know, Gabe Lynn's dad's a police officer. Yeah. And there were schools con, or not school. Excuse me. I want to be careful. Not schools, but there were random people claiming they represented these schools uh, that were like, you know, what do you guys need? What you know? What can we help you with? You know, what for the next time you you come down to you know X Y Z? What what do you want to uh, you know anything you guys want to do that kind of stuff and. He was like, no, don't call here again. And it, it, it affected the way he, he – he tried to not let it, but it would affect the way they would look at some of these schools because that clearly was going on. It clearly was just part of the whole operation. Yeah, I mean, I just – you know, like me, when I got – I went to school, played baseball, was on a full scholarship for a couple of years, and it's like it allowed my parents to get me a, a decent car. Like, it's just like they're not spending money on college, so they'll take on a car payment. Like, that's kind of how it is. I would say it's that way more than not for most kids. But this whole thing about, you know, where to get a car like that, like his parents who make it's good just money. Name, I mean. But and like I said, it's just a few people. But just no, throwing that you. stuff out there, it's just like. Oh, it's it's just and, and part of it's just like are we at fault for this? Yeah, I think we are to some degree. I'm not I'm not saying oh people bad. No, I think media's been bad about that because the only stories they highlight are the really tragic stories. I I think that that is something that has been called out more and more over the last couple of years too. It, it's two things, and it's either the I'm going to make you cry story, or it's yeah. the uh, this kid was a bad kid because he tweeted something when he was 13. Like and and that's such bullshit. And then on the other side of it, you have people like the fucking Boston Globe that yeah. want to drag people's names through the mud. I thought that was disgusting what they did to Ronnie Perkins and uh, Ramondre Stevenson, and not even mention and then not even mention the DUI that Mac Jones had. In my book, they're about the same. I know he didn't get suspended for to it. To me, not taking an Uber. More, when, more people have fucking died from drunk drivers than they yeah. have from smoking weed. I can tell you that. In this day and age, to get a DUI, and 
I'm I'm always very careful about this stuff, uh, especially now that I'm grown. But like to not take an Uber, you got to be an asshole. You're an idiot. Yeah. Like how? Right. And how I know people. People make stupid mistakes. People make stupid mistakes. I had, you know, I'm just as guilty as anybody having a couple beers somewhere and then driving. But it's like it just it doesn't make sense why the Boston Globe would include something like that. But I, I'll say this for for to defend the person who wrote the story I had nothing in the story about that. It was simply the headline oh, writer that put right, that out there. Right. And I'm sure that it's, it's one of those situations that everybody is, but it's also kind of goes back into like everything that's wrong with journalism and society right now is you're trying to get somebody to click on something. And but, it's probably somebody that didn't even know about football. They just probably yeah. Googled Ronnie I mean, Perkins. They click oh, on it he because of a drug- headline. And then it doesn't say anything about, the drug suspension. Right. They probably didn't even the read the story. Probably didn't even read yeah. the story. But, it, I mean, and it's kind of Some the same. Some intern at the Boston Globe. And, you know, I mean, it's just like the Mr. Unreliable headline with Kevin sure. Durant years ago. Sure. That wasn't anything about the story. As we know now, that was just foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't play very often. So. I'm back in on Kevin. We're good. Are you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh. And that's something I think, you know, hopefully the players recognize. Because, like, you put that headline on there, it, all it does is makes the person who wrote the story look bad. I mean, it's you're hurting your beat writers. I think you're hurting the overall, like, now they look at that, and they, they but they don't see the difference. You know what I mean? Or I don't think that they do, and they just see it It as, just gives people a reason to throw out the fake, fake media, absolutely. fake news stuff. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, okay, that's enough soapbox for me for one day and for Eddie, I guess. Well, Boston Globe is kind of a liberal rag, though. So. <laughs> I am not getting into politics. I am out of that business. I'm trying to get in. I'm trying to run for governor. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. Well, you going to have a bear? I know. That guy, guy out in California, California really guy. raised the bar. He's making everybody else look bad. Well, he's got to beat Bruce. Who? Where's her, what's her name? Kendall now or Kylie? Oh yeah, Caitlin. Caitlin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, I know, there's nothing better I know you're talking about. There's nothing better than I mean, we need Caitlin in Oklahoma. Is where we need. I mean, she's against uh, or she's uh, for or she's against trans uh, sports or whatever. Right. Says it's unfair. I might need those people to vote for me. I'm not going to say anything. Have you ever seen her on the <laughs> dais on a? Uh, uh, no, a I've, roast. I uh, yes, I have. That. It is That's really good. It's really she good. just gets killed. Some of the uh, for some reason I went down a rabbit hole of uh, old. Uh, oh, I think it was Pete Davidson or something. But old, uh, what's it called? Roasts of you know Comedy Central roast. There's yeah. some pretty good stuff in there. There's that is all really good. Usually pretty good. Uh, all right, let's hit some basketball. Uh, Josh, sorry, but uh, there has been a finalization of uh, Porter Moser's staff uh, before we podcasted today. Uh, Bob, you caught wind of this uh, fairly early uh, in the process, uh, but this is a, a really big get for Porter Moser to, to close out his staff, isn't it? Yeah, get David Patrick from Arkansas to get another associate head coach. I mean, that, that, that's just huge. I mean, you think what the staff that he – put together between Emmanuel Dildy, KT Turner, now Patrick. I mean, that's about as good as you can possibly have asked for, or even better than what anyone would have thought coming into the first year at OU. But when you look at uh, Patrick, you know, former head coach, 
UC Riverside, bunch of connections overseas, Australia, godfather to Ben Simmons from his time that he got to know Simmons' father in Australia. And just, you know, here's someone that just gives you that recruiting presence out in the West Coast now. And you've got Dildy in the Midwest. You've got Turner in Texas. So all these boxes are being checked off. And when you look at Patrick, it, it seemed like it was going to be, you had to wait till May 1st because there was a big buyout for him if he was hired before May 1st. So that took a little bit longer, but there was no panic until right about Monday night, Tuesday morning, where Illinois start to make this huge charge. Brad Underwood losing assistance to John Calipari in Kentucky like crazy. So they were throwing money at Patrick to try to have him change his mind. And in the course of them trying to do that, it was confirmed that Patrick was coming to OU. And that's just a huge win for Porter Moser to be able to withstand everything and have the staff finalized. And now it's just a countdown to when those two scholarships finally get picked. Now, I mean, you you talked about you know possibly a bidding war starting there, but seeing the comments from from he and uh, Porter Moser from Patrick and Moser, uh, it sounds like kind of that relationship helped win out and kept him from taking a look at anywhere else. Yeah, and it was good. I was glad in the press release they mentioned where it started. It was with Rick Majerus, St. Louis. And I know Majerus did a lot with Australia basketball too, so. That makes that's where the connection, you know, really formed. Because even in tar- uh, talking with Arkansas uh, writers throughout the course of the last week, no one understood like, where did Moser and Patrick really get this bond going to where this is such a huge deal. Because I think initially some were skeptical because Patrick been following Musselman around. It's like, yeah, he's going to follow Mus wherever he he needs to go, and so this sort of came out of left field for for some people. But now. You understand, this isn't just recent. This is like 10, 15 years strong of Moser and Patrick. And it's interesting that there's two associate head coaches. So it would be very curious to see how long he can keep this trio intact. Because you got to figure that these are guys that are right on the cusp of being head coaches. And even Patrick had a chance. He interviewed with UTEP and San Jose State following the Arkansas season for those head coaching gigs. So this is a staff that is phenomenal, but I'll be very intrigued just to see how long you can keep it all together with three names that are up and coming, and you know that their time is going to come sooner than later. As of now, I guess Wednesday afternoon, there hasn't been any update as far as the final two roster spots, but that's kind of where we turn our attention now that the uh, third coaching position is filled, right? Yeah, and I, I look at Bryce Thompson still holding all the cards. I think Trey Alexander is definitely back in play, and David Patrick was the lead recruiter for Alexander when they he was at Arkansas, and Arkansas was one of Trey's top schools. So I think that that helps. I think you have these three okay preps kids, but Porter Moser doesn't have any connection with them. But now you've got it. You know, now you got KT Turner did all the legwork with Bryce Thompson going back to Texas and Patrick did all the work with Alexander when he was at Arkansas. So you've got familiarity where you thought maybe you didn't have it before. And I still think, you know, it's going to be whatever Bryce decides and everyone has told me it's going to be this week. I think it's just going to happen like on Friday afternoon and the, when no one's 
expecting it. I don't think there's going to be some elaborate ceremony or like a tweet saying I'm going to do it on this time on this date. I think it's just going to show up. But uh, OU, I know they they still feel good about where things stand with their roster. I don't know if they feel great about where they stand with Bryce Thompson, but there's no panic mode that if Bryce were to pick Tulsa or OSU, like they have more options. They're more prepared now than when they just went all in for the 2020 class. They just put all their chips that we got. We want Trey Phipps and Bryce Thompson, and that's all we want. And when they didn't get Bryce, they had no clue what to do, and they didn't do anything else for the 2020 class. We're here. If they don't get Bryce, I think they can move quickly to Trey Alexander, or I think there are other options in the portal that can get the job done. I do think, from what I've heard, it does – doesn't sound as if uh, Jackson Robinson from Ada, who chance, who uh, transferred from the Aggies, is as big of a target as I once thought. I thought initially that was the one that they were going to lock up and then hold out that last scholarship for whoever was still standing. But as of right now, it seems like Chris Crutchfield in Oregon is making the real push to try to get Jackson there. I told Bob, is if we want these kids to start making decisions and start making announcements, let's just put together a preview of what is left for Oklahoma and I, I assume within the hour of putting that out, all the decisions oh, I start see what coming. You're say, yeah. Like it just I basically jinx ourselves. It goes back right at <laughs> yeah, it goes back John to the, Finley it, hot the hot board. board. It goes back the to the hot, hot board. board. <laughs> Put the Joe hot board John up, Finley. and thirty minutes later, Joe John Finley's a tight ends coach at Oklahoma. By the way, isn't the obvious question with everything we've talked about with basketball this? Just how dirty is Brad Underwood? If, if, yeah. if I think he looks, John Calipari he comes looks the other way sometimes. two of your assistants, <laughs> how I, dirty are you? I think he probably looks the other way to a lot of things. And by the way... They, I mean, they turn that thing around rather quickly. I, I think even Bob two, had to be embarrassed at the way that they exited the NCAA tournament. I think everybody was. It was terrible. <laughs> the, the Sumo picked the wrong time to have his worst worst game, but that's that's how it shakes out. Uh, now they don't have Coburn, no Sumo. You know, I'll I'll go ahead and say it. Like I, not trying to burn bridges with anybody that was here prior, but you look at the roster, you look at what they have coming in, the guys that they basically traded roster spots for. By the way, it felt really good seeing Elijah Harkless on the practice court with Porter Moser. Oh, they got to keep those shots tight because there's not too many guys out there right now. <laughs> and I'll say, Rick Rick Asanza <laughs> is loving the first couple of weeks. I think that's. You got to know what you got with this kid, or if you have anything. And then we, incomplete would be the way you would grade his first two years in Norman. And sources have said that Asanda is loving what Moser is bringing to the table. And let's see if Moser can develop a, a big guy that maybe some fans had written off at this point. Two years in, only time he's playing is mop up duty. If Rick Asanda can become something, he's a legit 7 1. And what they always say, you can't teach that size. Is this roster better? Can we, uh, let's let's see we'll pump who the they brakes. get for the final two spots. But this is, we'll play this is a, a nice group just because they're they're addressing all their needs. I mean, even if Lon Kruger was still there, they were going to have just a world of trouble or war, like help that they've had to find in the post. And they've been able to do that. I think they might want one more guy in the post as they reevaluate things. And that's why I think Jackson Robinson's on the outside 
looking in. I think they'd rather go with someone like six nine or six or uh, six ten that can do a lot of different things. But yeah, I mean, get in Jordan Goldwire, get in Tanner Grope. You get the experience. You're getting what you need from from them. And I, it will be what I'll be really watching is what class these last two guys in because I know sometimes you get worried. You get too heavy on one class that's a lot to sort of you know either you're storing up scholarships or you're they're all going to be gone in this this one year but i wonder if that's nearly not nearly as much of a concern now with the portal especially with the free exemption that people can just take off and it doesn't really matter if you like have six freshmen on your roster because you're not going to have six seniors there's no way all six of those guys are going to be with you all four years it's almost like the like basketball is going to be so much different because there is going to be so much turnover each year than football. Like you can't necessarily turn over a hundred man roster or whatever it would be. Well, eventually the one year transfer thing's going to take sure. effect too. Sure. But there, I, I still think like basketball wise and especially guys that aren't going to make that jump from, you know, the one and dones or whatever. Like I, I could see a time where you're basically transferring and resetting the roster almost every year. And it's true. I mean, you look two years ago, the only two players were Jalen Hill and Rick Asanza. <laughs> I mean, because Gibson and Harkless were last year. And I was like, man, that's got to be crazy. I look, the Buckeyes, they're not like a known huge power, but they've done well. E, uh, EJ Liddell, who hasn't really made a decision if he's going to do the draft or not, but if he leaves, no one from their 2019 team is still on the roster Uh, this is just the way it's gonna go from now on that is absolutely amazing uh all right uh next week i got a couple things planned josh is chomping at the bit for us to go over uh ratings and reviews again he says he's been on the page on itunes sounds like we've been canceled over there have we oh we've got almost a thousand reviews of five stars so we're still rolling pretty good but there are some Definitely interesting ones. I think Bob is starting to pay people to get in the reviews. I'm. I'm oh, they all have to talk about that. I can. I can only guess how that's going. We all. There's suck a lot of Bob love. More Bob. Mm. Yeah. Um. Also, constitutional right. I. I am going to put together uh, a selection of Bob's voice twin. Uh. Next segment or next week, I played Bob's voice twin for Eddie last week, and he agreed. It's close. Are they twins? It's close. Wonder who this we'll is. We'll leave it up to the uh, people of the public. I the voting was, people. I I don't I don't want to ruin it in case this is the same person. But I was with a family member over the weekend that told me they feel there is another media member that Bob has a close voice relationship with. Well, no, this is a very random. You have to be a guitar. Okay. you have to be a guitar geek to know who is okay. who this guy is. So, who is the other member? media member jason kersey i was that i was told that he guys felt don't talk about or sounds a lot like jason hmm. kersey uh no this voice twins a lot more on the on the nose i i i say i don't really hear it but i was like well maybe, maybe i'm off here i'm not i'm not great at that kind of thing i could see maybe like over the phone lines because like kersey's probably only being heard when he's on a phone line mm-hmm. so if you take out some of the fidelity yeah i could maybe that's still a stretch. Wow. I mean, which one are we taking the fidelity out on? I just don't. It's not fidelity. I just don't think that they sound nearly as close to this guy. Sounds I'm Bob. Up now. 
I'm ready for I, I would just I would week. just make it a marriage joke, but you know, that's good. <laughs> uh so yeah, you got that to look forward to next week. But uh appreciate everybody listening as always and uh good job, fellas. Great show. Sorry for some of the technical issues uh that we had to start the show and in the middle of the show. So hopefully those will be sorted out uh by next week. Uh so Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll see you guys right back here. By the way, go to iTunes, rate and review. Uh, maybe say some nice things about people other than Bob, apparently. Uh, so we'll see you next week right back here on the Unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com.